you're not hiring a group of people in a smoke-filled back room in the dark typing away managing your accounts there's a landmine in a particular area you want to avoid it and this is the great thing about your team working with other dmes out there is if you see a landmine you're going to pass that on you and the network team part is important because we learn things constantly as well and we want to learn what those best practices are Welcome to the third episode of the DME Coach Podcast. Eric Michelson here, DME Coach. Half of all medical supply stores have closed in the last 10 years. The DME Coach Podcast is here to show you how we have survived the DME apocalypse going head-to-head against other local, regional, and national suppliers with little to no help from DemiPost and CMS. So this will be a fun episode. We're going to get into off-site team members. Off what? Okay, uh, I was being politically correct. We're going to get into outsourcing employees. I don't want to call it outsourcing employees because that's bad. I'll tell you what happened later in the episode. If you call it outsourced employees, you will get a mass exodus of very good team members leaving your team. They're not outsourced employees. They are called off-site team members is what they are called. So anyway... Let's get into it. But before we get into it, this podcast is all about supporting the local DME. The local DME and running it is hard. I've had another hard week. I've had more wins than losses. I've had some amazing wins this week. It's been fun, but it's still outrageously hard. So my goal, I share with you a high and low every single week. And what this high and low does, hopefully it inspires you. So anyway, last week I had the wonderful opportunity of going down to San Diego for a little conference. And the highlight, most usually conferences are good. Uh, you never want to go to a conference just so you know and say, hey, I need to change 20 things in my medical supply. Well, if you do, it means your medical supply is really, really messed up. If you go to a conference and realize, hey, I need to change 20 things because it means you are breaking all sorts of laws and not running a good store. So when I go to conferences, my goal is to come home with one to three changeable action points. And there's been a problem that I've been really stewing over for five to six years now. I've talked to a number of people. I've talked to a number of consultants. I haven't been able to figure out the answer to this problem. And at this conference last week, I stumbled into a local DME owner out of Ohio. And this is one of the wonderful things about conferences. When you go there, you can talk to people outside your state. I'm in Washington State. He is in Ohio. And he was able to give me the answers to the problem that I have been looking for for six years. I was like, where were you in my life six years ago when I had this question? That's the beautiful thing. Small DME owners or managers want to help out other small DME owners. That is the purpose of this podcast. We are here to help each other out, give you a kick in the back when you need it, help protect you, um, and really thrive and love your work. So my highlight this last week was going down to San Diego and having this one uh, conversation with this fellow. It was funny. I asked him the question, and he kind of gave me a five-minute answer. Uh, He's like, I'd be happy to talk to you more about that. I'm like, yes, please. And I don't think he expected me to sit down next to him for the next half hour and pester him with questions, but I had literally six years of questions coming up, and he was very gracious. That was my highlight for the week. It was absolutely wonderful. Low light for the week. I was gone for five days last week, and then I combined that with getting the stomach flu. Thank you to having a seven-year-old son. Um, who gave that to me. So I am running. It's 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 one thing to run a company with four locations and um, 
and missed five days of work. I was working remotely, but I am behind, behind, behind. So that's another thing. Hey, when you run business and you leave, the good news is my staff behind me, nothing blew up. No one was fired. Sales were still strong, and that's what you want to do when you equip leaders so you can get away to work on your business. But the downside is I am behind. A uh, huge low light to my week, so I've spent many a many a days this week getting up at 5 in the morning and working late or until my body gives out. That's not a good long-term solution, but it is what it is, and that is how we're combating the DME apocalypse that we are currently living in. Now on to the interview. First interview for the DME Coach Podcast. I would now call him a friend of mine before he was just an acquaintance. His name is Todd Usher. He runs the company Tactical Back Office, and it really was a company that he created out of necessity to save his DME store in California. It's a fascinating interview. Uh, Listen to it from beginning to end. Would love to hear what you guys think about it. Here's Todd Usher and my interview with him from two weeks ago. You stumbled into my beta group test of our mastermind group, whether you meant to or not. I was working with uh, the other Todd was in it. He's like, oh man, you need to meet my friend Todd. So that's how you stumbled into my beta group. One of the things that I love about mastermind groups is I do it to help other people. I think this is true with life. I find that if you help others, you actually get more for yourself actually in the long run. That's not why you should do it, but it is actually what happens. So in the process of trying to, man, what is this guy in Sacramento doing? This is awesome. You you got, you have this. I think I might actually do this. So that's actually how we met in the backstory behind that. I don't know how much of that you knew. Yes, I knew some of it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so let's, let's start from square one. Uh, tell me about your durable medical equipment story. Who are you and how long have you been in DME and what have you what have you learned from DME for better or worse? So I started off as a driver in 1996. Uh, so that puts me at about 23, 24 years in DME. Was with that company. It was home tech company out here in California for about five years. Promoted pretty rapidly with that company. Uh, went from you know a tech to a purchasing to a distribution Ended up as a regional manager for the San Francisco Bay Area. And then right before I left, I was interviewing with a national and uh, I got hired by them. was only with them for six months because it was a pretty uh, chaotic company. And then I jumped ship over to, which was actually my dream job, which was over to uh, Invacare. And I was with them for 14 years. And, um, well, I had my wife and I um, had just met. Uh, in late 2005 and uh, a few years later after we got married she wanted to do something on her own she was a PT tech and so we opened up home oxygen company and we uh, started off as just portable concentrators quickly expanded based on the contracts that we were getting and the demand from the referral sources over to full line DME which included CPAPs and trilogy and beds, canes, crutches, commodes, that type now, of stuff. Now, were you still at Invacare at the time, or did you did you leave Invacare and you guys just went full bore into DME, the two of you guys? She she ran the DME for a couple of years, and then I jumped, shipped over to help. So once your ship started so, to sink, jumped right. over. We were doing pretty good for a couple of years, and then the um, we were growing, getting you know, new buildings and et cetera, et cetera, branches, et cetera. But then we, uh, the rule cut really, you know, competitive bidding didn't affect us that much. We did get some contracts uh, throughout Northern California, but it was the rule rollout that happened in 2016 that really gut punched us. Um, the January cut, we were actually able to absorb pretty easily. It was that July cut 
turned us around and, and we had to figure out what we wanted to do. So we had a couple choices at that point. If we want to uh, pack up ship and leave town and or if we wanted to fight and figure out how to make this thing work. Well, it was right about that same time that we were introduced to a Philippine option for us. And we already had half the technology in place to onboard this person. Um, it wasn't probably about a month or two later that we got the rest of the technology um, installed, the procedures on how we would handle different things. So that was December of 2016 is when we hired our first person. We took it step by step. Uh, waiting to see what happens, you know, just kind of turned into a uh, overall solution. So that's my that's my history in the industry, and uh, and what my wife and I have been able to do. The next question, let, let's let's at least get our terminology correct, because I think I don't want to misspeak. So what you're saying is you have uh, several team members that are not based in Northern California, which is where you're at. What do you call them? What do you, do you call them offsite team members? Do you call them outsourced workers? What do you, what's the proper politically correct term that you call them and that they also want to be called? Uh, remote personnel. Remote personnel is what they're called. Okay. And um, so you have several remote personnel. How many did you start with? And then what did you grow to with your company? Uh, we started with one and with in that DME company, assigned to the DME company, we have about 20, 25. Okay. Uh, but total, between all three companies that we own, we have about 55 personnel. Okay, so you you started with one, then went up to 20 to 25, and now you're up to 50 to 55. Wow, good for you guys. Thank you. It was a lady that started off doing CMNs. Okay, and that, that, and that was going to be it. So, And would you recommend, so here, here's, let's say there's a random durable medical equipment company, could be anywhere in the United States, and they're like, I don't know about this. I am not into, uh, I, I like all my personnel to be here in the United States, um, if, if at all possible, preferably in my hometown, but uh, the numbers are dictating we might need to hire someone elsewhere what what's the best place to start someone at if you just just want to get your toe into the water what is cmn's the best way or what's the best place i for us and i can only speak from our experience the back-end support not much dealing with patients or anything like that just to get the warm and fuzzies about it cmn's pars posting those are all roles that do not deal with the public or patients directly or constantly with any uh, regularity. So those were easy and they were easily trainable. They're repetitive. So I can get somebody on CMNs and train them within a month. They pretty much know what they're doing. Uh, PARS is the same thing, insurance verification, uh, just all non frontline folks. And that's what got us comfortable. Within a month, we knew this was going to work, especially when that person was able to improve their KPIs that we track in uh, Brighttree. We saw the number actually improve. And that was being handled solely by this one individual. So, and that gave us a comfort level to look at other places to uh, expand. Good, good, good. And I, I, it's it's interesting. I I've told you this off off the record. So, I did not want to do this. I knew my competitors were hiring remote personnel outside the United States, and I'm just I'm so pro United States, pro U.S. workers, pro keep it all local if possible. But I'm based in Yakima, Washington. 
And it was about two years ago, I actually got to the point, I couldn't hire anyone. I was putting out, I, I was trying to hire locally and I couldn't find anyone because our economy was doing so doggone well, which is great. And I wasn't paying minimum wage. I was paying way over minimum wage for even the entry level work. And I'm like, uh, now what do I do? Because if you go to the point of, you cannot hire an entry-level worker um, at $20 an hour uh, without going out of business. Well, what do you do? And, I, and I'm sure, it, did, did you encounter kind of the same thing, or am I just speaking on my side? What do you think? I'm encountering it more now than I did three years ago. Um, in, in 2019, it is clear that the economy is doing very well, and you have to pay a premium for, for personnel locally, you know, it, and, and then that's no guarantee. I've heard some from some of our tactical back office customers where they had hired people and three months later, they're gone at the next job for, for you know, buck 52 bucks more an hour. Um, that's crazy because you just invested three months into training that person, then all of a sudden they're gone. The talent pool is take is spoken for because everybody's paying more and more and more right now to keep the keep the personnel in place. Unfortunately, we can't control our pricing. We're not retail, so we're stuck with the reimbursement rates that we have, so we have to work within the uh, margins that we're given. So why did you there are there are outsourcing companies out there and so when I was looking into hiring our very first remote personnel I I looked into your company I actually looked into two other companies I even negotiated with them interviewed a couple of their team members and um but why why did you go at it solo instead of going with one of the many if not hundreds of different remote personnel companies out there why go solo yourself I know I can do a better job I mean that sounds arrogant but I know I can and and I can train them the way I want them to respond. I can train them on our culture, our work ethic, our way of conducting business, the way we treat our patients. I can train them on our expectations. I can talk to them on, you know, which is the old Skype, but now MS Teams, we video conference. I mean, we hardly even use voice over IP anymore, even though we still have that system. Everything is handled over video conferencing. So I get to know these people, I get to know their strengths and weaknesses, and it was very beneficial for us to have our team in place. And when we decided to move out and form Tactical Back Office, we felt that we had a better offering in the fact that our folks are trained and ready to go. You you just made a really nice transition, trained and ready to go. So as I was looking at the other two companies in addition to your company, I was looking at them. You brought something to the table that no one else did, which was absolutely amazing. You train your team members on Brighttree. <laughs> so it was one of those things like, so you're telling me you're going to give me a team member that's already trained in bright tree it was like you fell into my lap and i was like this is this is amazing and i was i had uh committed to i think one and it was one of those things well as you're giving me team members that are already trained in bright tree i think we went from one to seven or one to eight in a matter of three to five months and we were not planning on growing that fast but it was one of those things if you're going to give me qualified workers so how did you realize hey maybe maybe i'll how did you figure it out or did you just stumble upon that i know the key is to, you know, if I can have a qualified worker walk in the door today that knows Brighttree, that knows the LCD, that knows what a chart is supposed to look like, I'll hire that person. In fact, I'll hire them at a premium. 
and that premium is going to be so I don't have to spend the next two to three months of one of my other personnel training that person, and then with no guarantee that person's going to work out. So there's a lot of unknowns when you're onboarding, when I'm onboarding, rather, uh, new personnel. So if I can provide that for a provider on our with tactical back office, that's a value that people can see immediately as soon as they walk in the door. They already know the inner workings of Brighttree. They're already familiar with the LCD. They know what LCD stands for or CMN stands for. They kind of know the whys and hows of what that process looks like. We're not training people completely. You're not getting a fully trained person. You're getting the elementary and the intermediate training. That's what we're trying to get out of the way. And, um, and I think the beautiful aspect of it is and what's really separated us from everybody else is the fact that they're training in a real live, t- real-time, actual DME company. So we're utilizing our DME company to train those staff, and then when they move over to tactical back office to be placed with a client, they've worked with that real-time. It's not a sandbox. It's not a play environment. It's real-time, real patients, real denials, um, real CMNs being rejected, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, and they have real KPIs that I can show what they've been able to achieve as a team to show that you know, the team is doing something worthwhile and that has value to the uh, prospective client. Yeah, you brought up a really good point. They're not training in a sandbox. And my, my favorite TBO, actually, I have two of, two of your favorite TBO team members. Um, and they're my favorite because they they basically they really blessed my 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 personal life. So, for example, like you work with your wife, um, I work with my wife as well. She runs our rehab team. She's just a rock star. Uh, she's a former magazine editor. So, what she was able to do is when she looks at chart notes, she can just dial down on the chart notes, which is why our rehab team's so doggone successful here at Howard's. But you gave her a team member. She did not want her. <laughs> So I don't know. This was one of those, honey, I'm hiring you an assistant. Uh, I don't want an assistant. You're getting an assistant. If you don't want her, I will take her back in a few months. Within two weeks, she had knocked off three projects that had been hanging over my wife's shoulders for months like you know the projects they're not urgent but you really should do it um and we need to knock this thing out and so our numbers are better our stress level is lower we are happier as a company so it's one of those things i'm like todd you just won here because you made my wife happier and i know this is not a main portion of your company i also took one of your team members and made them my personal assistant so it was one of those things they were doing so well at our main company. Um, I run a nonprofit over here in Yakima, and I'm like, uh, can I just hire you for 10 to 15 hours a week to work on some of my side stuff? Like, I run a local cross-country team here. She takes care of all my registration, throws them into Excel for me, and at the end of the day, she's like, sir, they're done. And she gave me back 10 hours a week. This is not medical supply stuff, but when someone gives you back that much personal time. I have that much more time to invest into my team, work on this podcast. Um, I'm healthier. I'm running more. It's one of those things. What your company has given to our family and our business is absolutely amazing. And I'm like, this is, this is great. Now I want to, so a cynical listener might 
listen to this and say, okay, well, you're taking advantage of people in the Philippines. You're paying them below market value or this and that. Now tell me, if someone were to say that to you and say, hey, Todd, you're paying people pennies on the dollar and taking advantage of them and lining your pockets, what would be your response to that? My response to that is we are paying people higher than the normal call center wage in the Philippines. And that's as detailed as I want to get, but we have folks that we want to keep around and that I want them to stay with you. So we pay them higher than the normal call center wages for the Philippines, uh, most of which are in Metro Manila. And we also allow people to work from home once they've been, uh, once they've established some trust that they can uh, uh, maintain a professional environment, much like a lot of dot coms out there, you know, remote workers is not a strange thing to us. We, we deal with remote workers all the time. We're doing the same thing in the Philippines. It's a benefit for them. That's why we have a lot of, we have six, I think now, couples or relatives that work for us and uh, a lot of new families that work for us. They get to stay home. Um, if anybody listening lives next to a metro area and you've ever commuted, it's probably a you know one to two hour commute. I know in the San Francisco Bay Area, it's a two to three hour commute one way. And that same thing happens in Manila, where it's a two hour commute to work and from work. And that's usually in carpools or bus pools. This allows them four hours of time. You're speaking about giving you your time back. We're giving them their time back by allowing them to work from home. And then we secure their environment uh, to where we can protect the health information that they're dealing with. Um, and it works out wonderfully. And we don't have that much turn. Matter of fact, our turnover is less than 5%. So I would respond to that with we're paying more than what they normally are and we're given benefits outside of that. Yeah. And like the, your team member that works directly for me, she's a new mom. So this allows her to spend more time. So not only is she making money, she's being paid better. She gets more time with her daughter. That is a win, win, win. And I, you know, it, I, our company likes to say we're always pro family. We're pro mom. Well, it, it's really hard because kids are a pain in the rear end in terms of taking care of, they're not self-sufficient. Like they can't take care of themselves. So how do you make money, but at the same time, support the family. And that's what I love about your company is you're not saying, no, we're going to run this call center and you still need to commute down here. No, if they're qualified, you will allow them to work from home. Real quick, uh, just to interject, it still is required that they have a professional work environment at home. So they may be, there may be multi-generational family members in the home. There may be kids in the home. Um, there may be pets in the home. Uh, there's an occasional chicken running down the street that you're going to, yeah, that you're going to hear. Um, we ask that everybody remain a professional, quiet environment for that, uh, remote worker. So we don't accept or allow any distractions, uh, with any regularity anyways, of course they happen from time to time, but we make sure everybody knows that it's got to be a quiet work environment and it's got to be a professional work environment. Otherwise it's not going to be a good fit. So we admonish all of our new hires that, and that kind of gives them the right and the expectation of what we need in a remote worker. Now that jumps into the, there's the old S question, the security question, because I am I am crazy. This is just my own person. I, I'm just, I'm worried about security. I'm worried about HIPAA. I'm worried about everything. You know, how do we protect everyone's data and information? And 
I, I get worried. I have three off, four offices. I'm worried about dialing that stuff down. I have multiple passwords and this and this and encryption. How do you keep patient data secure if you have remote workers in another country? So we deploy a couple technologies. Um, you know, number one, we go through the um, typical measures of changing your password regularly. We have a procedure on um, you know logging in to the domain. Uh, we have a remote terminal, so it's American-based with their accessing, um, and, and as well as they use their uh, personal computers uh, for other things uh, like research and what their you know phone numbers and contacts and things like that. But um, we also deploy a software called Sophos, and Sophos has been proven uh, that it's about 99% effective against ransomware. So we install all, all that, uh, all the software on all the computers uh, in the Philippines. Um, and then, of course, we have a, a dynamic DNS, which is uh, replaced actually our static IPs. So it limits the uh, visibility to uh, wh where people are um, when they log into the remote terminal. So those are just a handful of the things that we're doing to uh, um, secure the environment in which they're working. And of course, we have a sonic firewall um, and a few other technologies that we've deployed. And we've partnered with companies that also are uh, HIPAA compliant, like Microsoft or RingCentral or things like that, that have proven that they are uh, capable of being HIPAA compliant as well. So we try to protect that health information and we take it seriously. And we've ran all these things through not only our accreditation and um, through the Medicare inspectors and the state inspector inspectors, but uh, through uh, Brown and Fortunato uh, law offices down in Texas, we've ran a lot of this through them as well. And we continually try to refine that. We have an IT professional um, that we've retained and that manages our IT infrastructure and uh, makes changes as needed. So let's say, I'm sure some people who are listening to this are not current clients of yours. Let's say they are clients of some other company out there, and yet they're not really ready to jump over and um, but they still want to win at working with remote personnel. Anything that you can, any words of advice that you can give them, what does someone need to do to have a successful relationship with their remote personnel they have in their office? I, I think first and foremost, what I, what I like to advise folks is nothing more than what we've already done. Nothing I suggest is going to be something we've never done before. We've tried it and we failed at a few things and we uh, revised it and tried it again. And the number one thing I can suggest is build a relationship with that person. You're not hiring a group of people in a smoke-filled back room in the dark, typing away, managing your accounts and access to that person. And part of that access is video conferencing. As I mentioned earlier, I think that's been the most crucial part of our development of our relationship with our people is to look at them and catch those raised eyebrows or those sighs or those blank stares and you know ask for that feedback. Um, a lot of our folks are very, very private, very uh, reserved. Quiet. Yep. And they don't, mm -hmm. they don't quiet, very quiet. They don't speak up. Um, you know, so when you're looking at them, you can ask them, hey, we just talked about this. Do you have any questions, Jack? Do you have any questions, Jim? Do you have any questions, Frank, uh, Susie, Julia, et cetera, et cetera? Um, and then kind of elicit a, a response out of them, which usually they don't say. That 
not only builds a relationship, you get to know that person and they get to be a part of the team. Your team gets to build a relationship. You get to see that person in department or uh, general or training meetings and um, get to know them. But what we also do as a, as a value add is they have a resource. We all share on the back end, we all share a uh, Microsoft Teams account. Um, it's uh, at the tbo.com. And so we're constantly have chat rooms and discussions based on questions. If I have a question in um, Washington and then I have another question in Chicago and another question down in Texas, it's all being fed here with all our local experts. I've got um, two billers with 15 years experience, an intake person with 12 years experience, and of course ownership. And we're always answering those questions if they have a question. So they may feel a little shy or embarrassed or may not want to put their neck out there to expose the fact that they may not have an answer. So they'll just ask other folks within the uh, technical back office organization, say, hey, I've got this going on. Does this require this check mark or that check mark? And they'll be given an answer in, in minutes. And that way that helps prove the value of what we're trying to do here. And it allows the not only the agent being placed or the remote personnel being placed to be successful, but it assures that the company they're working for is successful as well. So that's you know, kind of along the lines of uh, protected health information and, and keeping that stuff secure. But I think that, um, you know, I, I think it's a really good operation where they get to rely on each other. It's like, almost like a, a value-added service, if you will. Absolutely. And one of the things that, I mean, it does come down to, it, it comes down to dollars. And I'll, granted, I've only been working with you uh, at a mostly full-time level for about six months now. So I can't say, hey, I've been working with Todd for five years. So it's one of those things, this is, you know, from my perspective. But what I can say is I did a lot of research before investing as many team members with you as possible. Not only did I check out two other companies, um, I called five other companies that uh, outsourced as well, too, or used remote personnel. I'm like, hey, what worked? What didn't work? And that's what we should all do in business. No matter what widget you're selling, you need to talk to other people and say, hey, what worked? What didn't work? I had a lot of people say, hey, don't you dare go down this road doing this. And they gave me some great landmines to avoid. And I wasn't planning on doing it, but I'm like, that's a great idea. So this is the this is another great thing about networks and being part of a mastermind group, or even if it's not a mastermind group. When you go to the med trades or the conferences of the world conferences out there, get to know other DMEs. Ask them what they're doing well, what didn't work. Um, I'm a fan of horror stories, not that I like to see people hurt, but I like to know what some people did wrong because I don't want to do that myself. If there is a landmine in a particular area, you want avoid it and this is the great thing about your team working with other dmes out there is if you see a landmine you're going to pass that on you and the network team part is important because we learn things constantly as well and we want to learn what those best practices are and and here's the here's the interesting thing is um i'd lie if to say it it wasn't a completely even um (laughs) when when you tell some of your team members hey we're going to hire some remote personnel there are and there are some uh, spidey senses that go off amongst the team members. You're outsourcing these. I'm going to lose my job, and you you yep. try to reassure them that that's not going to be the case. But um, in in our case, we have 
lots of employees. Uh, we over 40 is what I will say. And it was just, and you got the phone call from me, Todd, I lost another three this week. I lost three team members in one week. Now it's one of those things of those team members. None of them were fired for doing a poor job. Um, I would say without getting into detail, most of them just walked off and left because they were offended no matter how much you try to convince them. And a lot of this, if, if I were to do it differently, I would have done it slightly differently. Um, but it's one of those things. Some people, they're just going to leave. And then what do you do? Well, then you have to rehire. Well, for me to hire a biller is six to 12 months of training. And do I do that here in Yakima, Washington? Or do I call Todd on the phone? And I think there was even one you're like, oh, Eric, you can have someone next week. Are you kidding me? Here I have some yeah. biller walk out. Now that didn't necessarily help my inside staff because they're like, well, so-and-so just left and um, Eric now has a qualified replacement next week. What does that mean about our job? I've had so many right. people in my office. I'm worried about my job. I'm worried about my job. I'm like, can you do more than one thing? Well, of course I can do like 10 things. You're fine then. <laughs> right. And a lot of it is, right. Uh, one of my head communication guys is like, Eric, thank you so much. I want to spend more time talking with customers on the phone. And I was sick and tired of answering faxes and doing data entry. He goes, you right. took that off my plate and I get to do what I want to do, which is talk to customers. It's a win, win, win. And so our, uh, our preliminary numbers for the last quarter is our employee payroll is down, and this includes adding you guys onto our books, is down 15%. And so it's one of those things, we are now making, we were already profitable, but it was like that 15% really, really helps. And then I know my team, especially in Yakima and all of our stores are going to be happy because we have profit sharing. So they're going to now see, so you're telling me I, I, I get to enjoy my job more and my profit sharing goes up? This is a win-win-win, and that's the whole goal of business. I mean, I'd, I'd love if 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 it wasn't about making money, I would be a full-time cross-country coach. I know that's weird, but I love coaching youth cross-country. That would be my full-time job, but it doesn't pay anything, like zero. I have to pay to coach. So if if, if it wasn't about the money, I'd be a full-time cross-country coach. But I have to make money and run a business. So that's why it is, and you guys have allowed us to do that. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. I guess I'll, I'll leave you with a few uh, questions. Moving forward, if someone wants to consider hiring, whether it be 1, 5, 10, 20 remote personnel, how would you recommend they go about doing this? Plan. That's the important thing right now. We're backed up. We're so busy and we've got so many requests right now. Um, you know, We're onboarding for January and it's you know, middle October here, we're anticipating January. Right now we're um, hiring about 10 to 15 folks a week, or I'm sorry, a month to get trained. Takes about four to six weeks to get them fully uh, um, trained in their elementary and intermediate things. So just plan on it. If you anticipate a new contract or growth or you're uh, gonna, you know, onboard a uh, new health system or something like that, then give us a call and, and let's get that planned out. We will do our part and get those people hired, trained, and ready to go, and then uh, we'll do a, a kind of a map out of what uh, what time frame you would be uh, needing these folks, and then we will try to react accordingly. Right now, we can accommodate everybody's requests. Um, immediate requests are difficult right now, 
Uh, it doesn't mean it's impossible, but I like to over-deliver, under-promise. That's it, under-promise, over-deliver. I'll, I'll say three months, but you know we're going to try to get them to you in about two months or so. And I will attest to that. Like I've asked you certain things. I'm like, I need something. You're like, Eric, I can't get that to you till January. And then it's typically like two weeks later. Hey, uh, they're up and running. Uh, you're, right. and you're, you're typically delivering a little bit faster, but I do appreciate that you're under promising because there's nothing worse than, cause we got to get those claims out. <laughs> so, cause if you don't right. get them out, the insurance company, um, I, I have yet to find an insurance company that offers grace and like, Oh, I'm sorry. You didn't hit the button in time. We're going to pay you anyway. It doesn't work that way. They just, they, right. they skin us and skin us and skin us. So, and the only other suggestion, um, Eric, is is for for folks thinking about it is try one. Yes. Try one. I would try totally one agree with that. Yes. Our coaching role, and if you don't like it in a month, then then we'll take them back. Yeah. I don't want to, uh, you know, no long term contracts or anything like that. I don't want to hang out with you if you're not liking me, and vice versa. I'm sure. And let's just walk away friends. But mm-hmm. try one and see how it works out. And that's the easiest thing you can do if you're unsure then try one somewhere and then you can work on your, uh, they could, the customer client could work on their messaging to their staff and figure that out, but try one. And then if you, you know, try one for a month and if you don't like it, then give them back to us and we'll place them elsewhere. Yeah. And I'll also attest you're the real deal is one of those things. Once we got above three team members, I'm like, okay, I need to go visit Todd and I need to go see where you're at. I need to make sure you actually have a building. And so it was about a month or so ago that I flew down with my billing staff and we just drove down for the day. We met you for a few hours and we came back, but it was one of those things for us. It's important. There's still, even though we video conference and do that for me, I had to meet you in person for obvious reasons, just because like, I need to make sure that the person that I'm working with is, is a real person. Even though you came right. highly, highly recommended for a bunch of trusted individuals, so if anyone needs to get a hold of you, how do they get a hold of you? What's the best way? Um, well, they can go to our website tacticalbackoffice.com. dot com. Um, they can email me at todd at the tbo dot com. That's the tbo dot com. Um, or my cell phone's always a good way too two zero nine six five two two zero two two. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much, Todd. I appreciate it. And I'm really looking forward to, uh, unlike, I, I just came back from a, another conference in Seattle yesterday, and it's like half the people I was talking to were so doggone depressed about our industry. I'm not. I'm like, I love this industry. I love what we're doing. Um, it helps that our company is profitable. And I, I like where this is going. So it's one of those things that depends on if the glass is half full or half empty. I see the glass is half full right now and water is being poured into it. Now, we still have to be smart yeah. about what we do, but I love the direction uh, that our business is heading. So, hey, thank you so much for this interview, Todd. I appreciate you. All righty, sir. Thank you for your time. So that was an amazing interview with Todd. I absolutely loved how honest he was. And like anything else, if you are going to consider moving towards off-site team members, don't call them off don't call them outsourced team members. They're off-site team members. Make sure you do your research. And like anyone else, I have talked to certain uh, there are other companies out there and I've talked to other DMEs. They've used the exact same company. One has worked for them. One has not worked for them, another company. So it's not a one size fits all, but I believe in the market that we're in today, it's at least something you need to look into. Um, If you're not going to go the offsite team member route, you need to at least 
then figure out how can you dial down your automations in your business even more. Um, what we found out is not only did it help us dial down automations even more, it lowered our cost of employees, it also increased productivity. So this is why for us it was a win-win-win and alone in 2019, um, it's it's saving our, it's adding an extra $100,000 to our bottom line here at Howard's. And we're just a small middle of the road uh, medical supply with four locations in central Washington. So if that's something that you're interested in, or even uh, if you want some consulting, let me know and I'll, I'll, I'll go through, hey, what has worked well, what has not worked well. Um, I'll even tell you more into the billing fiasco that I've had twice, once when we first um, moved our billing team back in 2012-2013 out of Howard's to a company in Ohio, and I'll, as well as even what happened this time where I had three of my billers walk out same day, or I should say not same day, same week, and it was a disaster. But it was also one of those things that's kind of like cutting out cancer. Um, if you have cancer growing in your organization, uh, whether you know better or not, when it leaves, you are healthier. And what we do as companies, if we are healthier, we do a better job at business. The purpose of DME Coach, hey, we are here to help you, the local business take care of your community. So we have three services that we offer, mastermind groups. We meet once a month. We get put our heads together and we come up with great ideas. It's super cheap. It's super affordable and it's very easy, fits into your schedule. It's because of that mastermind group with Todd that I saved $100,000 this last year. You never know what you're going to find. Um, number two, offer video and phone consulting. I work around your schedule. You let me know. Set that up. And what I'm going to do is I will walk with you in your business. We will tackle things uh, from biggest priority down to lowest priority to see what we can't do to make your business run even smoother. Last, we offer in-store consulting. Um, me, e either myself or my team comes out and we do a full inventory of your store, your policies, processes, how are you selling, what could you do to be more efficient, what can you sell more, what's moving, what's not moving, and hey, where is your store headed? Are you going to make it to 2020? What do you do to what do you need to do to either get in shape, stay in shape, maintain or fend off that next regional or national competitor who wants to take your business. And believe me, they want to take your business.